You're holding your body. How badly were you hurt to the body in the first round? I just got to do number two. What if friends got together and talked as if they were professional fighters, yet with no fighting experience? Well, as Professor Chelsona once said, You are welcome. This is my MMA podcast. But the one fight that I want is the Fedora Million Ankle fight. Everybody said that I couldn't do this. Yeah. I can do this. I can go next Saturday. And the powers that be there asked me to stand down and not do this event next Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to cross your fingers and throw some salt over your shoulder because we are running full steam into the brick wall that is lucky episode number 13 of the My MMA Podcast. I am Mr. Mark Allen David, and you are, of course, the most beloved audience in the history of podcasting. With me, as always, is the three-time and current reigning North Carolina State Amateur Slip and Slide Champion, former spiritual advisor to season three of Touched by an Angel, and recently elected treasurer of the Allegheny Angels Bike Club, whose motto is, never pedal faster than your neighbor's love. I really had to pause for that because it's funny. <laughs> He's a hand grenade of hope in a world of discontent. He lives a life of stop, drop, and roll because he is always on fire. Sir, please take a deep bow and tip your hat to all your adoring fans, Mr. Wesley Edwards. I, I hope people understand, those who are listening to this podcast, that we have no idea what your intros are ever going ne- to be. Never. We never know. There's no pre-anything. I'm hearing it for the first time, just like everybody else. What What did you say about the stop, stop drop, and roll? Yeah, you live a life of stop, drop, and roll because you're always on fire. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Say hello That's to good. the crowd, my friend. What's up, my MMA podcast nation? How's it All going? All right. Now, let me slide the secret handshake over to my man, my brother, me amigo he is the longest standing current member of the official nickelback fan club he earned his third degree <laughs> black belt in jiu-jitsu at the age of 75 wait no wait, that was chuck norris but he has watched most of the episodes of walker texas ranger available on hulu so that's pretty cool but i'll tell you something else he has done he has captured the hearts of the my mma podcast nation give Ooh. some love to your peeps dj trevor owens I think that is honestly the first time my name and Chuck Norris's have been in the same sentence. So uh, mm. I am nothing. And I do love Nickelback <laughs> and not ashamed to admit it, even though their songs sound the same. From Canada. Can I ask you a question? Where, why, why, why does Nickelback get hate? Like, what happened? Did they do something that I... Oh, that's, that is a, that is like, a why, web why journey that you can go down for days. Go ahead and just type in, why does everybody hate Nickelback? And three hours from now, you'll, you'll, you'll know. Yeah, but there's no viable reason. Like, there's way worse bands to hate that are worse. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I still don't get it. Look at this photograph. <laughs> yeah, well, you just nailed it. <laughs> that is pretty much one of the worst songs I've ever heard. So. It's time for Mark's <laughs> question. Interpromotional fights slash title fights or just regular fights, fights in general. Would the sport benefit from the UFC working with Bellator or one to increase the talent pool worldwide 
or would that muddy the waters and dilute the impact of one or the UFC and the respective key demographics? And I'm speaking about not just title fights, but also the potential of crossover and low-level talent. So more opportunities for more fighters to fight better talent across the board. You think that would break up the kind of what I call the UFC ecosystem and the same that's in one because they're promotions? Or do you think that would open up the door and be something that's positive? I ask the question because I do believe that we will see something like this in the future, maybe quicker than we think. Trevor? I think for the uh, smaller organizations, it would probably benefit them financially. And um, from a fan perspective, who wouldn't want to see a deeper pool of talent? Who wouldn't want to see champion versus champion or even legend versus legend, no matter what banner they're representing? So. Of course, I don't see how anybody could argue from a fan's perspective that that would add to the sport of mixed martial arts, but I, I, I don't see it happening with the UFC partnering with anybody. I could certainly see Bellator and One having a joint pay-per-view, just like when UFC used to go, or UFC had athletes in the pride tournaments. Um, I think that would be great for the sport, and I think it would help. And Wesley mentioned that one doesn't really need the United States. They're doing really well. But why not have another market when when uh, all you have to do is throw a tournament together and it could build Bellator and one? Hmm. Wes? I don't know. Why not just let the CFL play in the NFL? <laughs> okay. I mean, why not? Why not have just every football league ever play you know, in, in the NFL, I, I think one of the beauties of the UFC is they've actually built, you know, they said this many years ago, they're trying to build the NFL of mixed martial arts. And I think they have, they've accomplished that. It, it's, it's look, Hector Lombard was an unstoppable force in Bellator. He was their 185 pound champ. When he came to the UFC, which all of us were excited about because we wanted to see another champion from another organization to see how they would do. And he got crushed. Same with one. And I know that Demetrius Johnson has had some really close fights in, in one championships, but it's just a different level. I think the lights shine differently. I don't know what it is. As a fan, I would love to see Douglas Lima fight Kamara Usman. Right. I, would love to see, I would love to see Michael Chandler inside of the UFC. I would love to see those guys fighting and competing, but I just don't think Dana is ever going to do that. I just don't think that they will ever get to a place to where they don't have to. Why do they need to? I don't necessarily disagree with Trevor as much as I just don't ever see a day when Dana, the UFC, or anybody under that umbrella is ever going to concede this idea that they want to cross-promote. I just don't ever ever foresee a need for the UFC to have to do that. As much as a fan, as a fan, I would love it, but I don't ever see a need for them to do it. But if you listen back on the Apple podcast, which we are broadcast on, I think I clearly <laughs> said the UFC probably wouldn't ever and I was saying that, what about Bellator and one? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. You're not going to play CFL guys against, um, you know, the NFL. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, UFC has the elite talent right now. So to compete with the UFC for viewership and marketability, why not build both of the brands up between uh, Bellator and one? I mean, they may not. They may not see the need for that either. They may have their niche. They may be happy with where they're at, they may not want to overtake the UFC. But I do think as a fan, of course you would want to see the champion of one versus the champion of Bellator. I think. Mm -hmm. 
with the UFC getting like like you said getting into like boxing and some other things the systems run differently and I think that that's what's going to inevitably open up the door not necessarily with the UFC but to that point because what's happening right now is you know it's kind of like Bellator's functioning as a little bit of a farm team for the UFC and I get what you're saying Wes and I love that phrase the lights shine differently and it's true, but because it's currently the big show. And I do believe it as fast as we've seen the sport evolve in the last 10 years um, and what has happened in the last 10 years. Keep in mind, I mean, Bellator is only, what, 12 years old? I think we're going to see a bigger evolution in, in some crossover. If you're going to compete with the UFC legitimately, then you're going to have to stop fighting as one guy, as Bellator. Bellator is going to have to start branching out and creating different opportunities. So I think there's going to be some crossover. I think it would it would definitely be negative for the UFC, but my opinion is for the sport as a whole, I think it would be beneficial. And at the end of the day, what I think is that, like I said, they're, Dana's wanting to get into boxing and all that kind of stuff. Totally get that. Follow the money. As long as there's an opportunity to make money and grow, if that means cross-promoting. And again, that's what I say on a real low level. I'm thinking UFC signs fighters really, really early on in their career, and that fighter can then fight with a different organization, potentially somehow. I'm not really thinking about title fights. I'm thinking about that really low-level base system that you'll see some crossover, and I think that that's going to happen. Anyway, that's just my opinion. It's an interesting conversation. I think we will see some stuff move in that direction, but anyway. Yeah, and Trevor's getting a little fiery tonight. Jeez. Golly. It's because he shaved that beard. Listen, well, you know what it is, guys. I actually just started working out again, and I threw some Rocky on, so oh. I apologize. I'm pumped right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm pumped. Dude, that, did you hold your hands on the bench and raise your legs and stomach up all the way up in the air, back and down, and never touching your feet on the bench like you did in Rocky Four? Have, have you got to that point yet? I weighed 270 pounds after the quarantine. <laughs> of course I did. Of course I did. That's great. And now a moment with Sensei Seagal. <coughs> when they're... Uh, we all... Of their face. Uh-uh. You know. And that's been a moment... With Sensei Seagal. All right, Mark and Trevor, we put up a poll on the Facebook page for the greatest mixed martial arts heavyweight of all time. We made some friends and we made some enemies, I must say. I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but I just would like to, I would like to point out a couple things. First of all, that was a lot of fun. Super fun. And I love the heavyweight. The heavyweight tournament for boxing is way more compelling because there's so many amazing boxers over the last hundred years that it's hard to it's hard to fit all the great ones yeah. in in a thirty two man bracket. Where this was a little bit more of a I don't know a shotgun in some ways. Trevor, <laughs> someone voted. Was it you that voted? Just so you guys know, there was a fighter in uh, was it UFC eight? Trevor, when was John Hess? When did John Hess make his if, debut and and start his undefeated streak I in think, the UFC? I think it was three, wasn't it? Wasn't it three? It was an early no. one. It was an early one. I, I'm going to find was, out. Uh, okay. So someone voted for John Hess beating Shane Carlin in round one. <laughs> and that's just, that's just funny to me. But there's a matchup that really surprised me. In the first round, for everybody that's listening, just to give you context, we put essentially the greatest heavyweights that we've seen in the last 30 years in mixed martial arts into one 32-man bracket. Mm-hmm. 
and let everybody vote on who they think would be the winner. So Boss Rutten in round one actually beat Andre Orlovsky. And I, I actually loved that. I love the fact that people gave Boss the well-deserved shine. But one that I was confused by is, is, a, is Ken Shamrock beat Curtis Bladis in round one. I don't, I, you know what I think it is, honestly? And I'm like, what? I think it was a name recognition thing, maybe. Maybe it was just, or like a nostalgic maybe. thing. Like, because when you're not in front of that person and, you know, like I'm going to have a certain uh, tendency to pick Shane Carwin in a lot of situations more than I should just because he got beat by Brock mm. Lesnar when he shouldn't. And I'm still pissed about that. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> still ticked <laughs> off about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just interesting to watch the tournament go because as the tournament went on, you know, you saw the likes of, you know, Daniel Cormier making it to the, to, to the quarterfinals and you've got, you know, Josh Barnett versus Randy Couture. Mm-hmm. You've got Junior DeSantos versus Kane, Stipe versus Bryce. Some Just some really incredible matchups. Um, one that I really liked in, in, in the quarterfinals was Fabricio Verdum against Shane Carwin. And Fabricio only beat Shane by one vote. So I appreciated that because I, I feel like Shane Carwin is, is certainly a dark horse in this particular tournament and was a really incredible fighter uh, that just a lot of people have already forgotten about. Um, but he, he, he was a stud, right? But you saw, which was interesting, we saw in the quarterfinals, Randy Couture up against Josh Barnett, and they fought, and Josh actually beat Randy. But yet, Randy beat him by, by 14 votes, which put Randy up against Daniel Cormier in the, um, excuse me, this is the quarterfinals. Daniel Cormier up against Randy Couture in the quarterfinals. Uh-huh. We had Kane versus Stipe. We had Alistair Overeem against Fabricio Verdum. at Boss Rutten against uh, Fedor Emelianenko. And we saw Randy Couture beat Daniel Cormier by a vote. By one vote. And I was completely blown away by that. The other ones made sense. Stipe beats Kane. Uh, Fabricio beats Alistair Overeem, which if we're, if we're talking about the real world, Alistair actually beat Fabricio in strike force. Wait, wait. So you're saying that when Randy won by one vote, that didn't make sense? To me, it did not make sense against Daniel Cormier, no. So then we got to the semifinals. We got Randy Couture versus Stipe Miocic. Once again, Uh Randy beat Stipe by one vote, whereas Fedor, who, by the way, lost to Fabricio Verdum, beat him by 13 votes, or excuse me, uh, by uh, uh, 11 votes. It's so interesting. And so then we finally get to the finals. Randy Couture against Fedor Emelianenko. I never saw Randy making it this far, which was, which was maybe that's surprising to some, maybe it's not. But we saw Fedor actually beat Randy out by one vote, which made Fedor Emelianenko the Pride Fighting Championships heavyweight from 2000, champion from 2000 to 2009. A 32 or 33 fight win streak ended up edging out Randy Couture by one vote. And what, what a great tournament this was. This was so fun for me. I enjoyed watching the voting. I enjoyed watching the whole thing. It was just a lot of fun, especially in sort of this quarantine time that we're in. But I want to ask both of you, and I want you to make your case on why you think Randy, so Mark, this will be yours, okay. why you think Randy made it to the finals, why you think maybe he should have won. And then Trevor, I want you to, on the, on the counterpart of this whole thing, I want you to make a case on why Fedor ended up winning. So Mark, I'll defer to you first. Well, let me, yes, let me say this. Um, it, it, with regard to anybody disagreeing with Randy Couture making it to the finals, and I'm going to have to go ahead and apologize to the My MA Podcast Nation on this one because I'm going to use some strong language here. So earmuffs on the kids. It's poppy, okay? Woo, I feel like I got that off my chest. <sighs> That's gonna get beat down. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> anyway, uh, so, okay. 
I, I obviously, if you've been on the page, I, I kind of already made this this case or my opinion. I believe that Randy Couture, Randy Couture can beat anybody at any time. It, now we would say that about any fighter, but what I what I mean is, and I look at fights when I look at who's a better fighter. Let's say uh, Randy Couture versus Shane Carwin. Let's just use that example. In five fights, who wins the most out of five fights? If you take it in an aggregate, that to me is what would show who the better fighter is across the board. And if you assume them all on five round fights, I mean, really let them get in there and do their work and see who comes out on top. I think that Randy Couture could beat anybody at any time. The only person that I think in the grand scheme of things, if you really break it down, I think that Fedor is the one that he would have the biggest trouble with. And I can't necessarily see him that one I'm right in the middle with. That's why I love that he, that Randy um, only lost by one vote in the finals, because that's exactly how I feel. Like it's a toss up to me. Now, let me say one of the main reasons for this is because Randy started so late in his career. And we talk about when someone's in their prime, it's not an excuse that Randy started later, but look at what he was able to accomplish at the age of 41. What most fighters are retired by then don't come near the level that he was at at 40, 41 years old. That's amazing. Now imagine a Randy at 28. And then imagine the Randy that came in in his almost mid-30s, right? He comes in and now he's had five years of experience in the ring. This is a guy who pioneered game plan. He pioneered building a camp around deficits. He pioneered, like before Randy, no one talked about dirty boxing. Greco-Roman was like, that was almost like, what are you even talking about? Like, no one cares about that. Randy came in and took what he was good and talented at and pushed and pressed and then realized what he wasn't good at and worked his butt off to be the best of the best in his weight class in every discipline that he could. And when he was at a hard deficit in an area, he built a game plan around avoiding that, avoiding that area and capitalizing on the holes. I don't know if there's ever been another fighter that has done that even to this day that is that talented and that skilled in that arena, which in my opinion is the greatest skill in mixed martial arts. The ability to make a plan that is intricate and technical enough. We all, everybody knows the, the old Mike Tyson phrase, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. I get that. Randy did get punched in the face, but he had a plan for getting punched in the face. And that's what made him different. He was like, yeah, I'm probably going to punch in the face. And here's what I'm going to do. I think that the difference between what you see in these two fighters with Randy and Fedor, and again, I'm so happy that they made it to the finals, is that Fedor was the talent. Not that he didn't train hard, not that I'm saying any of that, but Fedor was the true gut talent. He was that John Jones natural talent. And Randy was, Randy was the hardest working guy in MMA, hands down. There's my case. I think that it ended up the way that it should. That's, that's what I think. Well, my rebuttal, uh, we're going to take the DeLorean back to the 80s for my sponsor. This is Big <laughs> League Chew. Big League Chew, thank you for making bubble gum in tobacco-shaped packaging for children. Thank you, Big League Chew. <laughs> Daniel Cormier was my horse. I thought he's one of the greatest mixed martial artists at heavyweight. He's really only lost one time at heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken. John Hess, by the way, was in UFC 5. Just throwing that out there. Undefeated in the UFC still. Randy Couture. <laughs> but wait, pause one second. Pause one second. John Hess, I love it, man. I love it. You better never stop riding that horse. I swear to you, I'll kill you. What's, what's, what's his record of the UFC? Sure, his record is and zero. <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so here's where I'm at with Randy. And for those of you who don't know, that are listening. Randy Couture is my favorite mixed martial artist. I, I 
I loved watching Randy Couture fight. He really gave me a passion for the sport when he beat um, Maurice Smith. And when he beat Vitor Belfort, it was iconic because Vitor looked unstoppable. Yeah. He really did. It looked looked like he had the quickest hands, and you heard he had great grappling. So uh, to see Randy win that, he definitely won me over. Here's why I don't think Randy wins that tournament. First of all, I don't think he would have got past DC in both of their primes. I think DC was just too athletic for Randy Couture. And Randy lost. First of all, what Wesley said was true. He he beat Josh Burnett in our tournament, but when they fought in what I believe was their primes, Josh Barnett beat him. And watching that fight, I'll give you this. Randy made a mistake. Josh Barnett capitalized on that mistake because Randy was winning the fight, and then Josh Barnett beat him. Um, if it goes to a decision, Randy Couture is a viable opponent. The problem is, I don't think it goes to a decision. I'm going to give you a two people. Uh, well, I'll give you a couple. Randy beat Tim Sylvia by a five-round decision. Fedor beat Tim Sylvia in the first round. Um, For, first 30 seconds, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I just, just obliterated fast. him. Randy Couture got KO'd by lighter fighters. We're talking, you know, Leota Machido. We're talking uh, Chuck Liddell. You know, and, and, and Leota, okay, Randy was pretty old when that happened. But Chuck Liddell, Randy was still, you know, uh, throwing pretty good leather then. And then I'm going to also talk about Quentin Jackson. Quentin Jackson never got to the peak of pride. He never got a chance to fight Fedor because he would win a couple and then he would lose. He'd win a couple, lose, whatever. But he never got to to get in the 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 best of the best, you know, when he was in pride. And he beat Chuck Liddell two times handedly and Randy lost two times to Chuck Liddell. Randy also lost to Antonio Rodrigo Negero, and Fedor beat him a couple of times. So I think here's how this fight goes. I think Randy does a good job of controlling the first and second round. You just can't hold a bull like Fedor for five rounds. And I'm assuming we're talking like a five-round fight. If we're talking a three-round fight, he might get the decision. But I feel like if Randy gets knocked out by a Chuck Liddell, he gets knocked out by a Fedor Emelianenko. Well, let me ask you this, because we made the point many times at, at this point, but how does Fedor do inside of a cage? Huge, huge question. In his, in his prime. because Or vice versa, how does Randy do inside the ring? Because we saw him fight in the ring, and he got submitted a bu- several times. So, oh, Well, let me say this. I think that Fedor um, inside the, the, the cage will be different in that when he knocks people out, it'll be inside of a cage. So I think the main difference that you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Randy's game plan suffers in a ring big time because his whole game plan or a lot of his game plan is to hold people up against the cage, Absolutely. control right, them right. until he can get some dirty boxing or even a takedown in. I mean, my gosh, he had Brock Lesnar against the cage. Randy was a phenomenal Greco-Roman wrestler and he used that, you know, he used that to his advantage so many times, but he lost 11 times. And like I said, when he went to the decision, he only lost one time in a decision. So if he can grind out a win in, a, in you know, going the distance, he has a good chance. Yeah, he has, he has 19 wins and 11 losses. I mean, a third of his fights are losses. He would win two, he would lose one or lose two. He would win two or three and then lose two. It's hard. It's hard. Not that it's un- inconceivable or inconceivable that he makes it to the finals. You know, for me personally, you know, when I look at 
a Daniel Cormier versus a Randy Couture, it's interesting because I go back to this particular matchup, watching it, and I saw when Randy won, I was surprised. But even going back to their wrestling days, Randy Couture was a two-time NCAA runner-up. Daniel Cormier was a two-time NCAA runner-up. But the difference in their wrestling is that Daniel ended up becoming a a five-time United States uh, freestyle champion, made the Olympic team twice. Randy was only ever an alternate. And he never actually made a world team. He was only ever an alternate. While DC was ranked number, I think, number one at the time until his kidney failure in the Olympics, he hadn't lost, even lost a wrestling match at heavyweight uh, when he decided to bump up into the weight class. He was on a tear. And uh, to, to Trevor's point, talking about athleticism, I know that some people would say, well, Randy's a better athlete, but I just, in this particular case, I just couldn't see how, even with Randy's, here's, here's what's interesting. I can see Randy pushing Fedor up against the cage and winning that fight. I can't see him doing it to Daniel Cormier simply for the reason that they're both coming from the stable of wrestling. And, and, and Daniel understands that side of fighting more than a Fedor would, even though Fedor is a multiple time Sambo world champion, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Wrestling is just di- it's a different sport. At the same time, too, I think a lot of people, Randy holds a very special place in our hearts. And even when we start to think about him losing, it makes us hurt. Like Mark said this a couple podcasts ago, when Brock Lesnar clipped him in the back of the year and he went down, it's like you're, he was winning the fight and you just all, of, all the air got sucked out of the room. Absolutely. All that said, Mark makes a great point because this particular tournament was based on all things being equal which means Randy's training MMA when he's a teenager or in early 20s. He makes his MMA debut in his early 20s where Fedor did. All things being equal. And I think that changes the, the dynamic. I, I think the ring versus the cage is a different dynamic. But I, I am grateful that everybody participated in it. I love the fact that, that everyone voted Randy into the finals. It, it actually made it way more interesting because I just assumed Daniel Cormier was going to win the whole thing. And you know when you got a guy who's only lost twice, who's really never even lost a round except to John Jones and one round to Stipe Miocic was the one he got, he got stopped in. It's hard to see how a Randy Couture is going to beat that guy when Randy's a third of his fights are losses. But like we said, Trevor and I talked about this too, in the NCAA wrestling tournament, every now and then the 11th seed makes it to the finals. Every now and then the eighth seed wins a national title. Mm-hmm. So I loved it, guys. And we'll, we'll, continue, these, we'll continue these tournaments. We'll, we'll do this again. Yeah. And so... Um... UFC 249 canceled. Um, a lot of people are are struggling right now, and I think that it's it's important that we take care of our fans. And so, the UFC being canceled, it's a real thing, and we need to be aware of the pain that people are in. So, post traumatic cancellation syndrome is a serious condition, and I feel like I'm lost and alone, and no one is there to help. Loss of interest, lack of concentration, and a general void of energy is often too much to handle. Cancellation syndrome is taking too much out of you. Ask a professional about Uskisoff. That's U-F-C-I-S-O-F-F. Uskisoff is a proven technique to treat cancellation syndrome. Uskisoff is thought to work by balancing the two emotions associated with loss and aggravation that work together to create sadness and discontent directly related to the loss 
mixed martial arts fights. Tell your professional right away if you create unusual desires towards Bellator or One Fight Championship. Uskazov is not approved for casual fans or adults excited about Conor McGregor's boxing career. Taking Uskazov with other conditions such as Khabib withdrawal syndrome can result in increased psychological impact. For me, Uskazov is the key to treating cancellation syndrome and the associated effects. Ask a professional about Uskasov. <laughs> I did want to mention how awesome it is that Dana's like, we're going to get an island. That cracked me up so much. I freaking love Dana. <laughs> He's so nuts. Well, I got, all, I, I got all weird. I got all weird about it because I'm like the whole Jeffrey Epstein stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, don't get an island. I was like, I was thinking that's weird. The Island of Dr. Moreau, Treasure Island, all the great islands. And now the UFC Island. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dana, for giving us you. (laughs) I love it. All right. Wanted to get into real quick, just about real talk with you guys, what you really love about MMA. Like why, what was like the part of the portion in your life the thing that happened, and obviously this story is kind of important to us there, but I was way before that, right? Like, what was the part where you were like, this MMA thing is like magic? Like, what is this? Like, what do you like? Hit me, Wes. Like, what do you remember? Like your your kid story or your like whatever that is. For me, it was just hearing that there was this tournament with fighters from all over the world that had different disciplines. It just sounded like a movie to me. Like, just like every guy. That loves Jean Claude Van Damme or loves Bruce Lee or, or you know name your martial artist movie. Remember the guy, The Perfect Weapon. That was a good movie. <laughs> but but we're all but we're all like into martial arts. I mean, Kung Fu Theater every Saturday at noon. Kung I mean, Fu I watched theater. it religiously and just being a fascinated with combat. You know, plus two. There's probably a little bit of me when I was bullied as a kid and even in high school. There's probably a little bit of part of me that lives vicariously through these fighters. And through some of these movies. So there's there's a little bit of a psychological aspect to that too. That I just remember someone saying, hey, check out. I don't even remember who told me about it, but it might have been you, Trevor. I don't even remember. But I went to the video store. And first of all, the video store shouldn't have been letting me get back there anyway. Right. Nonetheless, I found UFC 3 because 1 and 2 wasn't out on VHS yet. Went to my house, went to my parents' bedroom, popped it in, watched it all by myself with my mouth to the floor. <laughs> yes. When Keith Hackney knocked over Emmanuel Yarborough, the 600 Yarborough, 600 plus pound sumo wrestler, when he knocked him down and just clubbed his head, I, I broke his forearm beating him. It was one of those things where you're watching it going, I shouldn't be watching this, but I can't look away. Yes. And then, you know, watching Hoist Gracie and Chemo. When I watched that, it was a done deal. And I, I, I found the sport that I would be watching for probably the rest of my life if it continued because I was so fascinated by it, Trevor. Yeah, so uh, Wesley, I, I did not tell you about it. You told me about it. You invited me to the Allegheny Inn, which uh, does not quite have their casino done yet, I don't think. <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. But anyway, um, we went down there and watched it, and he Wesley didn't think that I would enjoy it, but man, I, I it, really? it was. It was just like a movie. It was just like a movie. It was like you were really watching the Kumite. And uh, I don't think it was uh, three that I watched first, though. I think it was UFC four. And somebody was telling me, and it might have been US, that this little guy named Hoist Gracie is going to beat all these guys. And I was like, there is no way. But I do, yep. rem- I do remember a couple of things about mixed martial arts. And one is we were like a kid in a candy store 
when UFC 5 came in on VHS tape and we watched it. You know, we got to see UFC 5 on VHS. Wesley had ordered it, and it cost probably 50 or $60. Came in, we watched it, we were glued to it. Um, it, it was incredible. But for me personally, Allegheny Wrestling was, it, it was, it was such a different level of athlete in our community. You know, if you were an Allegheny wrestler, you know, you, you were doing something and, you know, they were competing for state championships. They were, all those guys were working hard and running hard and, and, and I never wrestled. So I had a great admiration for those guys. And, uh, one of my real good friends at the time, Justin Wyatt was a really good wrestler. He was probably the first friend that I ever had on earth and just grew up with him. And, and he was a really good wrestler. So he was competing at a very high level, even as a freshman, I think he took uh, fourth or third in the state. I can't remember. I think it was third, third his freshman year. So anyway, that kind of got me um, into it. But I tell you, let me tell you a funny story. I went to college and I'd, I'd been working out. I was never extremely strong my uh, freshman or sophomore year of high school. I started lifting weights. Then I, I became where I was actually pretty strong. But I was around these guys up at Appalachian, and they were really, really strong. This one guy bench pressed 450 pounds, and I spotted him. So I, he wasn't just, hey, I can bench this. No, I, I spotted him. I knew he could do it. But anyway, one day he was saying, as he knew that I love mixed martial arts, he was just saying, you know, that, that stuff's good, but strength can really get you out of about anything. And I was like, I don't think so, man. I think if you get caught in a choke, you're done. And we started to roll around, and there was... A lot, and we were friends. Like he is a great guy, but he just didn't know about jujitsu or anything like that. And in front of everybody, I choked him out. And everybody Ooh, at that point yes. was like, everybody at that point was like, "Whoa, Trevor, yeah. don't mess with him." Which was so funny because, like Wesley said, and, and it really is true. You know, I I really am a nice guy, and I want everybody to be happy, and that's just kind of who I am. I think that's who I've always been and who I always want to be. I always want people to be happy. I don't want people to feel bad, but for that confidence right there. Until 450 pound guys start popping their lip and you got to handle your well, business. 450 pound bench press. <laughs> oh, he could okay. bench press that much. He didn't weigh that much. He was Whatever. Really... Bottom line is you won. I, I did win that <laughs> night and, and it really, it really helped my confidence. So mixed martial arts will always be special to me and it's given me great friendships like you guys. <laughs> hey. All right, guys, let me hit you. Let me hit you deep. We used to go to the flea market and look around and wait till you could hide from your parents. They'd be on the other aisle so you could find the guy who had the throwing stars. Remember those? And then you'd like, and you'd see if you could get the <laughs> guy to let you. And then we would take brooms handles, the wooden broom handles, and we'd cut them. We'd put little chains and nail them so that we could make homemade nunchucks. Nunchucks. That's what we used to do when I was a kid. <laughs> it was magic. The, the Kung fu uh, it was Bruce Lee. It was like you said, it was like, I used to watch these Kung Fu movies in the middle of the night. And it was like, it was like fantasy. So the popular thing, like when I was a kid, it was like Beastmaster. Remember the Beastmaster? Yes. <laughs> it, there was, it was like crazy dragons magic. And then there was this oriental magic, the karate and the Kung Fu and the whatever, you know. And then we had these movies that came like the best of the best. And you grew up on that. And then all of a sudden Bloodsport comes out and Bloodsport was it it was the coolest thing everybody was everybody was frank dukes in the backyard like everybody and then out of nowhere just like like the sky opened up and someone said we're gonna have a kumite would you like to see it yes i'd like to see it but i didn't believe it was real i didn't truly believe it was real and then when you saw it 
It was like every dream and fantasy you ever had came true in this moment. This moment, you like this world opened up and you weren't sure if you were supposed to like it or it was bad or what. But like you said, you couldn't look away. And then all of a sudden, like it just broke loose. Everything, the whole world opened up and you started realizing, no, this is this is an actual thing. Like and 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 so all the it's like if you walked into the movie The Princess Bride and found out, oh no, 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 they're still hanging around. You can walk in and, and storm the castle today if you want to. Yes, I want to storm the castle. <laughs> That's what UFC did. That's what made it so cool. And it was so fun. And I actually hate it. When there's people that are younger and never got to experience the magic of the area of that that era when it crossed over, when it went from just being this thing that was like a little kid fantasy, I got to watching the UFC. Well, the first one I saw was UFC three as well. Oh, same reason because you could only that's the one you could get on VHS. That was the day I first rode Falcor. Think about it, guys. <laughs> that's what that moment did for me. I was I'm I'm sitting there. I'm flying through the air with my you know, my hand in the air. And the thing is, is that nobody got it. Like your parents didn't get it. Like only your friends. So my, my best friend's dad, he was a a golden glove boxer. He was really into boxing, really into combat sports. And so he was on that side of it. Like, Oh, it's kind of like cockfighting or whatever. But when he saw it, he did the same thing the rest of us did. But with that said, because the parents didn't get it and it was like illegal, except for like Colorado. And there was all these rules you you got to be kind of doing something that was wrong or something that was a little bit like, what's the word? It's not wrong is the right word, but, you know, a little rebellious. And because your parents didn't get it, it got to be your special thing. It got to be your, like, little place to hide where you could live out your fantasy. And you know what's crazy is every UFC fight that I watch to this day, I feel the exact same way. Every time I watch it, I get that giddy little feeling yeah. I did the first time I saw it and the 10th time. And just like you're saying, that's why I had forgotten when we went to UFC 44 how much I loved it. I was in the zone of working and new family and all this stuff. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm working 80, 100 hours a week. I'm that guy. And then all of a sudden we went back in time. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Where have you been? Yes. Anyway, I love this sport. Absolutely love it. And I've got to I got got to do this segment and talk about this this episode for sure. <clears throat> Wait, let me ask you a question. Did you guys watch the UFC fights and then turn on your faces of death before or after the oh UFC. Oh my God. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Taking it back. I, I may have viewed a couple of those myself, but anyway, uh, we all did. I have, to, I, I would be now, Mark, you're the, you're the English guy here. Remiss. Did I say this right? I would be remiss <laughs> if I did not call out Wesley's parents because Wesley's dad is a pastor and when Wesley moved away, I would still go to his house and he would buy the UFC for me. It was awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Phil. Shout out to Phil and Bev, mom and dad. <laughs> What's up, mom? What's up, dad? And now another episode of Overrated Underrated. It is time once again for Overrated Underrated. Guys, are you ready? And do you remember the rules? Remember yes. them, yes. Okay. Wait, could you could you could you say them again for our audience <laughs> right. that may be listening for the first time? All right, I am going On the Apple Podcast. <laughs> On Apple Podcast. Uh, well, let's hold on one yeah. second. Pause one second. Let's. There's Google Google Podcast or Spotify mm-hmm. Podcast. There's SoundCloud. So, Trevor, let's not be so biased towards Apple. Okay. There's other <laughs> platforms. Not everybody's not not everybody's on an iPhone. 
and we want to make sure that we include everybody, including people from France. Okay, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> I love the Louvre. That's my, sorry, that was my favorite line from last week. Anyway. I do love the Louvre. <laughs> I love the Louvre. Uh, anyway, all right, so overrated, underrated. I'm going to give you guys a phrase or a name or something, and you guys are as quickly as possible going to tell me whether or not you feel that this is overrated or underrated, and the winner will get a shout-out from me saying overrated or underrated. That's pretty much how this works. So when you're ready to go, I will start. Then we'll go with Trevor. Wes, are you guys ready? Am I ready? First is who, who went first last week, Trevor, or who goes first uh, this time? Uh, Trevor. Okay. Uh, number one, a little broad here, professional wrestling. Overrated or underrated? Uh, it will be underrated until the day that I die. Those guys put their bodies on the lines. They put their livelihoods on the lines. Underrated to the nth degree. And if anybody says that it's fake, we're going to have to have a conversation. <laughs> Wes. Professional wrestling in the 80s and the early 90s, underrated completely. In 2020, overrated. The storylines are stupid. It's a soap opera that makes no sense. The acting is a C-level acting. This, this, the soap opera and the storylines are just dumb. Okay, that's all I got. All right. It's like watching a Christian movie. That's how bad the acting is. Touche. <laughs> no, All right. I'm going to go with underrated. Underrated. Because uh, I think that professional wrestling, without professional wrestling, um, they laid the blueprint for what the promotion of the UFC is today. And I think that the athleticism is absolutely amazing. You got to appreciate it for what it is and the fact that it has a huge fan base. I know a lot of uh, mixed martial arts people, they get annoyed. Who's talking about professional wrestling? Ah, let them talk about it. Leave them alone. So with that said, professional rating is underrated. Number two, guys, Conor McGregor's boxing ability. Overrated or underrated? Ooh, I'm going to say overrated because when he actually boxed a boxer, he did not look that good. And I think uh, Floyd was carrying him to make him look as good as he did. Overrated. I'm going to go with underrated because as to Trevor's point, he only boxed probably the greatest fighter that we've seen in the last 50 years. He still landed some good shots. And made Max Kellerman eat his words. Underrated. I'm going with overrated. Sorry, Wes, on this one. Conor McGregor just let it go. I mean, I get it. Some people are going to pay you for it, but I just want you to shut up and go home, to be honest. So overrated on that one, guys. Overrated. All right, number three, Dana White's attitude. Trevor. <laughs> I'm going to say That's overrated. He overreacts a lot of the times towards the media and his fighters, and he needs to have a little bit of Inya playing in his life. <laughs> All right, what? An Inya plan? Yes. In- you talking about the band Inya? Yeah. It, it's a great, yeah. sail, sail away, wasn't that one? Sail away, sail away. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Wes. Overrated. He, he really needs to take a chill pill sometimes. He, he definitely needs to be on medication. Okay, overrated. I'm going to be the devil's advocate. I've already lost here, but he's so underrated. And this is based solely on the fact that he wants to get an island. I was just, that just made my entire day. Dana, thank you for being you, buddy. Overrated. Number four, the 2011 movie Warrior featuring featuring Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte. Uh, Trevor. Underrated. That was a great movie about uh, mixed martial arts. And it was well done. It wasn't cheesy. I loved it. 
underrated. Wes. This one is absolutely underrated. It should have been nominated for an Academy Award underrated. I'm going definitely with underrated on this one, guys. If you want to ask me what I was doing yesterday, I was watching Warrior and crying. Underrated. Underrated. Number five, how America views one championship. Overrated or underrated, Trevor? I think they got a good product over there, so I'm going to go underrated. And there's really no marketing over here. I never see it come across my screen, so underrated. I'm definitely under, going underrated because I actually like how they do the weight classes. One, one championships, credible fighters, definitely underrated. Absolutely. This one is a, a three for three on underrated. I think anybody who hasn't uh, taken some time to really look at one championship, you're missing out on a lot there, so underrated. Underrated. Right. Number six, the song Higher Love by Steve Winwood. Overrated or underrated, Trevor? Uh, it's definitely overrated. It was good for its time. I don't think uh, it stands the test of time, and Whitney Houston's version's better. <laughs> Wes? That's so stupid. His version, it, it, underrated, underrated. <laughs> was was her version a number one hit? Yeah, Was her yes, version a number every, one hit? Whitney Houston had one song that wasn't a number one hit. I'm just kidding. I have no idea what that's, the that's, are. That's, I don't know. That's not true. That's not true. That's definitely not true. <laughs> It's completely underrated. Even though that was probably his only hit, just get over I'm, it. I'm going 100% underrated on this one just because I love you so much, Wes. Underrated. <laughs> Ready? All right, guys. Number seven, personal attacks for hyping a fight. Trevor, overrated or underrated? I think you got to hype the fight, but I think you leave family out of it. So we're talking, you're talking about somebody's family. That is definitely overrated. Leave the family out of it. Underrated underrated Ooh. all's fair wait what's that saying in love and war what is it <laughs> all's fair in love and war baby if you signed up to punch me in the face i should be able to say whatever i want underrated Ooh, i didn't see that coming i am actually going with overrated on this one i think it's not clever i think it's super easy for john jones to look at daniel cormier and call him fat okay great that's cute let me talk about your wife get over it hey you want to bring the heat Bring some chael into your life. That man was the grandmaster. And even when he went a little bit personal, he didn't really go personal. It was obvious that he was trying to hype the fight for both fight, both fighters' advantage. I'm going overrated. You don't think to, you don't think Chell was getting personal when he was talking about Tito's ex-wife? Oh yeah, forgot about that one. Come on, that's that's a softball pitch, though. I'm sorry, that's a softball pitch. Okay. I know, I know. Now the Nagara okay, no, brothers ahead. looking like a bus. That was over the line. <laughs> was over no, the line. genius. That was genius. It was a bus. <laughs> it was a bus. He, he thought fed he, a carrot. He tried to feed a carrot. To a bus. <laughs> oh my god! Underrated. The greatest things ever. This is the greatest moments in, in MMA for sure. Okay, so you guys both agree with me? It's underrated. Uh, okay, cool. uh, underrated. underrated. All right, so number eight, Michael Bisbing as an announcer. Overrated or underrated, Trevor? Love Michael Bisbing's uh, perspective. He was a great fighter, really gritty when he was in there, always came to fight. Love his perspective. Underrated? Definitely underrated. His perspective is genius. He's also very passionate and emotional, and that's exactly what commentating needs. Underrated. Okay, I'm actually going with underrated. underrated. Number nine, celebrating Steven Seagal's 67th birthday on April 10th. Trevor, overrated or underrated? <laughs> Underrated. Sensei Seagal knows so much about mixed martial arts. I think, honestly, it should be a national holiday. I'm going underrated as well. I feel like 
he doesn't get the shine that he deserves, even at 67, he probably could compete in the UFC. Underrated. I'm going with underrated because if we would have put him on the mixed martial art bracket under heavyweights, then the bracket would have been over in the beginning. It would have just been Steven Seagal. That would have been a no-brainer. So that one's going. to to the finals. That one right there, my friends. Oh, yeah, a bye, right. Instant bye to the win, to the finals. Uh, so... Uh, Steven Seagal's birthday celebration? Yeah, let's get on change.org and start a petition for a national holiday. Underrated. Number 10. Buster Douglas's win over Mike Tyson. Overrated or underrated Trevor? Still underrated. Definitely one of the greatest upsets of sports history. He got him, man. And he came back in that fight and still got him. Go Buster Douglas. Underrated. I'm going to say it's overrated because he couldn't even defend his belt. Yeah, something like that. It, it, it left its mark in sports history, in boxing history, but the win was overrated. I'm going to go with underrated because I believe that Buster Douglas put an absolute hole right through the giant banner of Mike Tyson's The Greatest of All Time. He showed the world that Mike Tyson could be beat definitively. I think that after the fight, just because he didn't defend that title, people shot holes in it and said, well, he was just so emotional because of what was happening in his personal life, and that's why he beat Mike Tyson. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that anybody would say, you were so emotional in your personal life that you created a rage that made you beat Mike Tyson, like he had some superhuman strength. No, that's ridiculous. He went in there, he beat him. It was awesome. Anybody who has an opportunity to go back and look at his story, you should. Anyway, with that said, Buster Douglas went over Mike Tyson? Underrated. Underrated. Okay. I, for one, had an absolute blast in the show. And as always, we want to thank everyone for listening. And please take a minute to rate us on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is your platform of choice. It doesn't matter. It does help people find us, so that'd be great. With that said, don't forget to keep throwing some love out into the world. And for the love of God, people, stop touching your face. That's my little PSA for the crowd this week. Okay. (laughs) We will be back next week for more fun and conversation. And I look forward to seeing you then. Peace.